Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on the Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. JCIM.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top menu bar for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we're continuing our reading in Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with the first part of Section 6, Therapy and Teaching. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson of the day, which is a review of Lessons 21 through 25, Lesson 55. Let's see if... Kind of forgot to ask if anyone would like to... Um, like to lead that this morning, but... Approach that after the reading this morning. So, before I review the reading list, um, do one of my favorite things and ask Lori, do you have an opening to share this morning? Well, I do, Lemoyne, and I was so happy to find this. Turns out it contained a really big gift for me that will keep on giving. But anyway, Here's the poem. It's from Hafiz. It's called, Once a Young Woman Said to Me. Once a young woman said to me, Hafiz, what is a sign of someone who knows God? I became very quiet and looked deep into her eyes and then replied, My dear, they have dropped the knife. Someone who knows God has dropped the cruel knife that most so often they use upon their tender self and others. My dear, they have dropped the knife. Someone who knows God has dropped the cruel knife that most so often use upon their tender self and others. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was gorgeous. Beautiful. So sweet. Thank you, Lori. My privilege. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Perfect Course in Miracles alignment. Thank you. Thank you, Lori.
Okay, well, let me go through the list this morning. I have with us in reading, I have Lori, Robin Marie, Karen, Donna, and Jessica. And with us in listening, I have Kristen, Harrison, um, Judy. Oh, I did not get Sandra. Sorry. There's Sandra on the reading list. And is there anyone else who's arrived would like to say good morning and join the reading list or just say hi? Excuse me, Lemoyne. Um, you're really okay. raspy, crackly, and I wonder before we get started if you can see if it's you or me or <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you. Um, Patricia listening, but I also um, found that's hard to hear you, hon. Thank you. Wendy and Bryce listening as well. Oops, oops. I did not mean to hang up, but is this better, Judy? Good here. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right. Yeah, I was just trying to (laughs) check my mic plug and pull it out, re-plug it, hung up. Okay. It's all sorted. All is well. Okay. All right, well, I'll get us started then with uh, Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, Section 6, Therapy and Teaching. You must have noticed how often I have used your own ideas to help you. You have learned to be a loving, wise, and very understanding therapist except for yourself. That exception has given you more than perception for others because what you saw in them, but less than knowledge of your real relationship to them because you did not accept them as part of you. Understanding is beyond perception. Understanding is beyond perception because it introduces meaning. It is, however, below knowledge, even though it can grow towards it. It is possible with great effort to understand someone else to some extent and to be quite helpful to him, but the effort is misdirected. The misdirection is quite apparent. It is directed away from you. Uh, Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, Section 6, Therapy and Teaching. 44. You must have noticed how often I have used your own ideas 
to help you. You've learned to be a loving, wise, and very understanding therapist, except for yourself. That exception has given you more than perception for others because of what you saw in them, but less than knowledge of your real relationships to them because you did not accept them as part of you. Understanding is beyond perception because it introduces meaning. It is, however, below knowledge, even though it can grow towards it. It is possible, with great effort, to understand someone else to some extent and to be quite helpful to him, but the effort is misdirected. The misdirection is quite apparent. It is directed away from you. 45. This does not mean that it is lost to you, but it does mean that you are not aware of it. I have saved all your kindnesses and every loving thought you have had. I've purified them of the errors which hid their light and have kept them for you in their own perfect radiance. They are beyond destruction and beyond guilt. They came from the Holy Spirit within you, and we know that what God creates is eternal. What fear has hidden still is part of you. Thank you, Lori and Robin Marie. This direction is quite apparent. It is directed away from you. 45. This does not mean that it is lost to you, but it does mean that you are not aware of it. I have saved all your kindnesses and every loving thought you have had. I have purified them of the errors which hid their light and have kept them for you in their own perfect radiance. They are beyond destruction and beyond guilt. They came from the Holy Spirit within you, and we know what God creates is eternal. What fear has hidden still is part of you. 46. Joining the atonement, which I have repeatedly asked you to do, is always a way out of fear. This does not mean that you can safely fail to acknowledge anything that is true. However, the Holy Spirit will not fail to help you reinterpret everything that you perceive as fearful and teach you that only what is loving is true. Truth is beyond your ability to destroy, but entirely within your grasp. It belongs to you because you created it. It is yours because it is, because it is part it is yours because it is a part of you, just as you are part of God, because he created you. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. 46. Joining the atonement, which I have repeatedly asked you to do, is always a way out of fear. This does not mean that you can safely fail to acknowledge anything that is true. 
However, the Holy Spirit will not fail to help you reinterpret everything that you perceive as fearful and teach you that only what is loving is true. Truth is beyond your ability to destroy, but is entirely within your grasp. It belongs to you because you created it. It is yours because it is a part of you, just as you are part of God because he created you. 47. The atonement is the guarantee of the safety of the kingdom. Nothing good is lost because it comes from the Holy Spirit, the voice for creation. Nothing that is not good was ever created and therefore cannot be protected. What the ego makes, it keeps it to itself, and so it is without strength. Its unshared existence does not die. It was merely never born. Real birth is not a beginning, it is a continuing. Everything that can continue has been born, but it can increase as you are willing to return the part of your mind that needs healing to the higher part and thus thus render your creating undivided. Thank you, Karen. Donna. 47. The atonement is the guarantee of the safety of the kingdom. Nothing good is lost because it comes from the Holy Spirit, the voice, the creation. Nothing that is not good was ever created and therefore cannot be protected. What the ego makes, it keeps to itself, and so it is without strength. Its unshared existence does not die. It is merely never born. Real birth is not a beginning. It is a continuing. Everyone... Real birth is not a beginning. It is a continuing. Everything that you can continue has been born. But it can increase as you are willing to return the part of your mind that needs healing to the higher part and thus render your creating undivided. 48. As a therapist, you yourself tell your patients that the real difference between the neurotic and, quote, healthy, end quote, guilt feelings is that neurotic guilt feelings do not help anyone. This distinction is wise, though incomplete. Let us make the distinction a little sharper now. Neurotic guilt feelings are a device of the ego for, quote, atoning, end quote, without sharing and for asking pardon without change. The ego never calls 
for real atonement and cannot tolerate forgiveness, which is change. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Thanks, Lemoyne. 48. As a therapist, you yourself tell your patients that the real difference between neurotic and, quote, healthy guilt feelings is that neurotic guilt feelings do not help anyone. This distinction is wise, though incomplete. Let us make the distinction a little sharper now. Neurotic guilt feelings are a device of the ego for, quote, atoning without sharing and for asking pardon without change. The ego never calls for real atonement and cannot tolerate forgiveness, which is change. 49. Your concept of, quote, healthy guilt feelings has merit, but without the concept of the atonement, it lacks the healing potential it holds. You made the distinction in terms of feelings, which led to a decision not to repeat the error, which is only part of healing. Your concept lacks the idea of undoing it. What you were really advocating then was adopting a policy of sharing without a real foundation. I have come to give you the foundation so your own thoughts can make you really free. You have carried the burden of the ideas you did not share and which were therefore too weak to increase, but you did not recognize how to undo their existence because you had made them, because you had made them. Thank you, Jessica. And Sandra. 49. Your concept of healthy guilt feelings has merit, but without the concept of the atonement, it lacks the healing potential it holds. You made the distinction in terms of feelings, which led to a decision not to report the error, which is only part of healing. Your concept lacked the idea of undoing it. What you were really advocating then was adopting a policy of sharing without a real foundation. I have come to give you the foundation so your own thoughts can make you really free. You, can, you have carried the burden of the idea you did not share and which were therefore too weak to increase but you did not recognize how to undo their existence because you had made them. 50. You cannot cancel out your past errors alone. They will not disappear from your mind without remedy. The remedy is not of your making any more than you are. The atonement cannot be understood except as a pure act of sharing. That is what is meant when, you, when we said it is possible even in this world to listen to one voice. If you are part of God and the Sonship is one, you cannot be limited to the 
quote, small self, the ego sees. Every loving thought held in any part of the sonship belongs to every part. It is shared because it is loving. Sharing is God's way of creating and also yours. Your ego can keep you in exile from the kingdom, but in the kingdom itself it has no power. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader? Paragraph 50. Is there a new reader to conclude the reading with the paragraph 50? Or sorry, 6. Am I... Oh. I may have this wrong. I had... Let me go back to the guy. It's fifty five zero. Yeah. But oh, okay. I had thought we were going to stop part way through and misread the. Okay, I'm confused. Let me try again. Oops, put myself on hold. Um, I thought I misread the guide, and I did misread the guide. Now I'm <laughs> back. This is the concluding paragraph for today, paragraph 50. And uh, is there a new reader for paragraph 50? I'll do it, Lemoyne. Go ahead, Brett. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you cannot cancel out your past errors alone. They will not disappear from your mind without remedy. The remedy is not of your making any more than you are. The atonement cannot be understood except as a pure act of sharing. This is what is meant when we said it is possible, even in this world, to listen to one voice. If you are part of God and the sonship is one, you cannot be limited to the quote-unquote self, the ego sees. Every loving thought held in any part of the sonship belongs to every part. It is shared because it is loving. Sharing is God's way of creating and also yours. Your ego can keep you in exile from the kingdom, but in the kingdom itself it has no power. Thank you, Bryce. Um, Okay. I don't know. Summarize this 
section. First part of the section of space. You must have noticed how often I have used your own ideas to help you. You have learned to be a loving, wise, and very understanding therapist, except for yourself. That exception has given you more than perception for others because of what you saw in them, but less than knowledge of your real relationships to them because you did not accept them as part of you. Understanding is beyond perception because it introduces meaning. It is, however, below knowledge even though it can grow towards it. It is possible with great effort to understand someone else to some extent and to be quite helpful to him, but the effort is misdirected. The misdirection is quite apparent. It is directed away from you. This does not mean that it is lost to you, but it does mean that you are not aware of it. Says, I have saved all your kindnesses and every loving thought you have had. I have purified them of the errors which hid their light and kept them for you in your own perfect radiance. They are beyond destruction and beyond guilt. They came from the Holy Spirit within you, and we know what God creates is eternal. What fear has hidden still is part of you. Joining the atonement, which he has repeatedly asked us to do, is always a way out of fear. Truth is beyond your ability to, to, to destroy. Truth is beyond your ability to destroy, but entirely within your grasp. It belongs to you because you created it. It is yours because it is a part of you, just as you are a part of God because he created you. The atonement is the guarantee of the safety of the kingdom. Nothing that is not good was ever created and therefore cannot be protected. What the ego makes, it keeps to itself, and so it is without strength. Its unshared existence does not die. It was merely never born. Real birth is not a beginning. It is a continuing. Everything that can continue has been born, but it can increase as you are willing to return the part of your mind that needs healing to the higher part and thus render your creating undivided. Neurotic guilt feelings are a device of the ego for 
quote-unquote atoning without sharing and for asking pardon without change. The concept of, quote, healthy guilt feelings, unquote, has merit, but without the concept of the atonement, it lacks the healing potential in whole. Make the distinction in terms of feelings, which led to it leads to a decision not to repeat the error. It's the only part of you. The concept lacks the idea of undoing it. And what this is then is a policy of sharing without a real foundation. Christ has come to give us the foundation so our own thoughts can make us really free. You have carried the burdens of the ideas you did not share and which were therefore too weak to increase, but you did not recognize how to undo their existence because you had made them. This no one can no one can cancel out their past errors alone. They will not disappear without remedy. The remedy is not of our making any more than we are. <laughs> the atonement cannot be understood except as a pure act of sharing. That is what we meant when we said it is possible even in this world to listen to one voice. If you are part of God and the sonship is one, you cannot be limited to the self the ego sees. Every loving thought held in any part of the sonship belongs to every part. It is shared because it is loving. And like some of the statements in this course, they're like tautologies that can be said. It is loving because it is shared. Sharing is God's way of creating and also yours. Your ego can keep you in exile from the kingdom, but in the kingdom itself, it has no power. Thanks for bearing with me. I press that into my own calcitrant mind. Thanks, Lemoyne. Ego cannot prevail against it. Well, we have some time before the top of the hour. Anyone would like to volunteer to read the lesson? That's great. If not, go back to the reading list and we can read the lesson. Floor is open. I'll do the reading um, of the lesson if you like. Yeah. 
and the and while I'm here, I'll stay open. And uh, there's a couple of lines from that from my reading today. First of all, the word atonement has been such a problem for me ever since uh, I've come to a course of miracles. And recently, he gave it another word: uh, rest, restoration. That I can understand. And from that, it opened up a world to me because when you have a masterpiece, you have to have a master restorer clear away the cartoon someone planted on top. So now that's, that's how I see what this work is doing. It's chipping off the little pieces of a joke somebody painted over a masterpiece. So, and there were, there were a couple of lines from our reading in paragraph 46. Truth is beyond your ability to destroy, but entirely within your grasp. It belongs to you because you created it. It is yours. It is yours because it is part of you just as you are part of God because he created you. And from 47, the ego, unshared existence, does not die. It was merely never born. Everything that can continue has been born. And from 49 and 50, I, Jesus, have come to give you the foundation so your own thoughts can make you really free. And from 50, the remedy is not of your making. It is possible, even in this world, to listen to one voice. God and his son is one. I am complete. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you. And I really appreciate that um, analogy to Masterpiece. That, that was just perfect. Thank you. Sorry, I thought I was on mute. Hi, it's Jude. I just love this. Um, it seems to me that, um, you know, it speaks of some fundamental, funda- very fundamental um, facts here, that only the truth is true, um, nothing real can be threatened, and nothing unreal exists. Um, it brings me back to one of my favorite prayers in the beginning of the text that says the kingdom of God is perfectly united and perfectly protected and the ego cannot prevail against it. Um, you know, that the Holy Spirit is, is, um, is the one and only teacher because he is the voice for truth and he's the interpreter um, and the translator and the mediator between what is true and what is false and that um, our faith in in nothing is deceiving us. (laughs) Our faith in in false beliefs are what need to be undone, and only through perfect love 
that we need to accept as ours, as being us, is the way that it happens. And it's such a beautiful, just a beautiful encapsulation, um, you know, that um, the remedy is not of my making. It's perfect, perfect love, um, any more than I am. <laughs> and um, that it's um, perfectly shared universally, um, without exception, um, without exclusion, um, and that, um, you know, the wholeness, God's wholeness is the wholeness of the truth of who we are, each, each individually whole and complete, and um, we share it to um, extend it and increase it by our being joyful in it. Um, but I just, I want to um, um, point out one thought that's particularly filling my heart with joy on page 90 and paragraph 50. Um, we are a part of God and the sonship is one. We cannot be limited to the, quote, self, unquote, the ego sees. Um, every loving thought held in any part is the sonship belongs to every part. I just love that, that every, only loving thoughts are true and that every loving thought that ever was, is now, or will be is a part of me and a part of each one of us individually. And that is our reality. That is our truth. And that is the oneness that we share. <laughs> this is great stuff. I am complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. <clears throat> I could talk about neurotic. I know that well. <laughs> um, neurotic guilt feelings are a device for the ego for quote-unquote untoning without sharing and for asking pardon without change. It's like, oh, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I did that. But never changing. And the ego never calls for real atonement and can't tolerate forgiveness, which is change. Now, understanding that forgiveness is, is seeing that no one has hurt me, can hurt me, or will ever hurt me, and that I'm not going to point a finger and be angry with you because you hurt me and made me feel so bad. That's what being neurotic is. And um, I'm just so grateful that I'm free from the bondage of that kind of thinking. Hallelujah. I'm complete. You bet. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, well, I, I struggle with the whole thing of healthy guilt feelings, but uh, 
either way. But, uh, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I get the point that the, it's use, it's healthy if you recognize like the thing from the rules of decision. You don't like the way you feel right now, um, but and so there's a dawning recognition. Don't want to repeat the error, but that's only part of healing. And so when we turn to your first share, where you you emphasize that uh, that. Uh, it's all it's all one, and that the remedy is to recognize that the the individual private thoughts and self judgments projected outward <clears throat> are what call for the guilt and that that's what needs to be forgiving, forgiven, so that we can return to sharing as God's way of creating, and also ours. That the uh, the atonement, or that, that I like that term, restoration, the restoration of the sonship. It's not a restoration of a thing, but a re-entry into a fellowship that includes all life. And uh, so I'll stop there. And if I may, can I turn to you now, Donna, to lead us in the lesson? Thanks, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lemoyne, I still got a lot of interference. I, I keep trying to call back, but I keep hearing you through a lot of static, so I don't know if it's me or if anyone am else I, is. Am I a lot of static? No, Donna, you're clear. Okay. <clears throat> Go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Well, I noticed the static, too. That's why I'm mentioning it, but... I, and I thought it maybe was in his line. Um, anyway. Yeah, I I think it is too. I noticed it as well when Lemoyne yeah. is uh, trying to speak. Sometimes it sounds like he may not be uh, turning right towards us or some way, looking away, comes and goes. Thank you. <clears throat> well, thank you all. Go ahead. Please go ahead, Donna. The, the beautiful thing is I could hear you clearly what you did say, even though you had your little bubbles in the background there um, about the restoration, because that just confirmed more for me. So today's lesson is um, 55. And I'm going to read um, each day's the, the five first. I am determined to see things differently. What I see is a form of vengeance. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. 
I do not perceive my own best interests. I do not know what anything is for. And I'm going to read some of paragraph five from the review. Five. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. You will yet learn that peace is part of you and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are so that your peace is everywhere as are you. And I'll read something from each paragraph of the five lessons. Nothing I see means anything. The reason this is so is that I see nothing and nothing has no meaning. I have given what I see all the meaning it has for me. I have judged everything I look upon. This is not vision. Judgment My judgments lack a validity have hurt me. I do not understand anything I see. How could I understand what I see when I have judged it amiss? These thoughts do not... Oh, I've just gone to the wrong page. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I have determined to see things differently. What I see tells me that I do not know who I am. I am determined to see the witnesses to the truth in me rather than those that show me an illusion of myself. What I see is a form of vengeance. It is my own attack thoughts which give rise to this picture. My loving thoughts will save me from this perception of the world and give me the peace of God intended me to have. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. Without attack thoughts, I could not see a world of attack. I will see a world of peace and safety and joy. It is this I choose to see and place of what I look on now. I do not perceive my own best interests. I am willing to follow the guide God has given me to find out what my own best interests are, recognizing that I cannot perceive them by myself. I do not know what anything is for. Let me open my mind to its real purpose by withdrawing the one I have given it and learn the truth about it. And I'm going to reread the five. I am determined to see things differently. What I see is a form of vengeance. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. I do not perceive my own best interest. 
I do not know what anything is for. Let us take a moment. Lesson 55, I am determined to see things differently. What I see is a form of vengeance. I can escape from the world by giving up attack thoughts. I do not perceive my own best interest. I do not know what anything is for. And a prayer. Let us let God use this place called by our own name for our one purpose, moment to moment. Amen. For our one purpose. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Well, hi, everybody. This is Lori. And um, this section, Therapy and Teaching, Therapy and Teaching is is really, really rich. And um, I love how he starts out by telling the scribe, you'll notice how I have used your own ideas to help you. You'll notice how often I've used your own ideas to help you. And if the Course in Miracles is anything, it's a beautiful treatise on the nature of mind and truth. Psychology, of course, being a study of mind. And so here we have two two individuals who collaboratively said there must be a better way. And so... Christ's mind is coming to them. I came into your mind because you vaguely realized there must be a better way. Okay, so Christ's mind is coming to them to describe to them in a context that they can understand. I've used your own ideas to help you. Um, In a context that they can understand using their own ideas. And of course, psychology being a study of mind are teacher, our great teacher, our Lord teacher, would like us to know about the nature of mind. So, he says, 
you've been a very wise and loving therapist and certainly you've helped people but I want you to know that your help has been a little misdirected because it's been away from you you know and that's actually a really good description of what he calls the unhealed healer oh you see someone as deficient and so you want to help them be more uh, perfect <laughs> but it's directed away from you you're not embracing embracing that mind and and I wanted to say at that point at this point for me anyway because I was an unhealed healer um, that that's a real a real difference when healing is directed toward me it's for me to discover that this brother is myself this person is myself this situation is intricate intricately and intimately part of me I'm part of everything and everything's a part of me I'm thinking especially of we're going to get to it next week I think my holiness no week after my holiness embraces everything as I recognize my holiness the holiness of the world shines forth that's the contrast he's trying to draw for these two people away from you misdirected away from you well that's pretty cool so he's talking about the nature of mind and what's possible and then he goes on to describe what your creations are I've saved every loving thought and kindness well that's reassuring to me who used to be an unhealed healer that that's telling me that in spite of the fact that I didn't know what I was doing there's something in me that is indeed loving and kind and purified of their ego involvement these are eternal boys that isn't a glimpse into what creation is we were told yesterday the mind the mind that is healed moves beyond the field of healing beyond the field of its own reparation into creation so there's a, a very loving goal there that's possible for us but also he's saying we need your help uh, I need I need help to be a healed healer when I'm a healed healer everything that was fearful in my attempt to share with the brother will have been removed and remember there's only two emotions love and fear without fear <clears throat> without fear the only thing that's left is love it's directed toward me I embrace I embrace this brother so now he moves into paragraph 46 in point of fact he says I want you to know that only what is loving is true and only what is loving is part of you and part of God everything else is what a mistake a mistake <clears throat> I remember um, in that in that regard when I was um, I hope you guys can't hear that barking dog but um, when I was in psych nursing my first my first client um, was a paranoid schizophrenic 
and it was an institution and what have you and where the, the assignment was set up a therapeutic relationship set up a therapeutic relationship and in that teaching a therapeutic relationship was something that the client feels safe in in truth a therapeutic relationship is a shared relationship a relationship of sharing and it's natural it's absolutely natural if I don't let my mind think that my brother's deficient it's natural to share in a relationship and so anyway I was setting up this therapeutic relationship and I really love my client <laughs> and my my nursing instructor came back and said to me oh no 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 she said you you can't uh, talk to him like that because there must be a boundary between you and your client otherwise he will come across that boundary and start to manipulate you and if there's anything more like an ego thought than that I don't know what it is but that's the way we were taught as unhealed healers he wants us to know remember he's using what you already know about the mind to help you he wants me to know that the only part of a relationship that's quote-unquote therapeutic is the holy part the part that's shared intimately and it's not an ego thing it's a capital as self thing so then he goes on to, to clarify even more about uh, every loving thought it's in paragraph 47 real birth is not a beginning it's a continuing because everything that can continue has been born but it can increase as you are willing to return the part of your mind that needs healing to the higher part and thus render your creating undivided so if my creations are every loving thought and kindness purified of its ego involvement I need to understand something that real birth is a continuing in other words I have an eternal nature everything has an eternal nature and the eternal nature of everything is as God created it out of love in his image and likeness everything everything God created is filled pregnant with meaning he said God did not create a meaningless world so as it was created we and everything living in it has already been created is already perfect and is eternal all right so now then he goes from there remember I've used your own ideas to try and help you he goes from eternal nature and continuing nature of everything that's true and he starts talking about guilt now these are two psychologists who are intimately involved with how guilt wrecks lives um, and I, I want to say exactly like he said it he said it in, in chapter 13 paragraph 25 should you wonder about guilt at all he says guilt is always totally insane period unequivocally guilt is always totally insane this is how he's using their ideas to help them he's saying you know you thought guilt was uh, this uh, in a neurotic way it doesn't destroy a personality if it's somewhat willing to make a change after it recognizes that it's guilty <laughs> or psychotic guilt um, 
well, he doesn't even talk about psychotic guilt there, but he talks about that later. But he says, forgiveness is real change. So now, atonement is a shared existence. Everything that's loving is true and continues. Enter guilt. Enter guilt. What are we going to do about guilt? He goes into it in paragraph 49. The atonement is healing because it undoes error, guilt, and sin, restoring freedom and innocence. And then he says, you can't do that alone. In paragraph 50, something has to happen. And this is where I think it starts getting pretty wonderful because he's talking about everything that's born is born of perfection in the likeness and image of God that it's continuing and eternal every loving thought is continuing and eternal this thought of guilt and sin and fear and separation are all part of the ego thought system and that can't be undone without a holy intervention I can't correct my own errors alone because even if even if I realize God doesn't hold my sins against me I will hold my sins against myself without a holy intervention a holy instant a holy recognition and acceptance of atonement for myself acceptance of myself as I was created that has to you know it, here's another thing to enter into this the only prayer he says the only prayer you need ever make is a prayer to accept what's already been given the only prayer you ever need make and recognize this is the prayer of your heart you might not may not recognize it but your heart knows needs to know its innocence thus I pray I accept what's already been given I accept the restoration of my holiness that requires an intervention by God I can't do that by myself and when I do what happens is everything that I thought about sin guilt and fear is abolished it's just gone that doesn't mean that things didn't happen to me they did happen to me but they're set in a context where I recognize all of that gave me the recognition that I don't want that ego thought system I need a holy restoration I need to accept atonement for myself he says sin guilt and fear are the maintainers of time and the ego in order to maintain its own continuity must believe in sin and guilt and that belief in sin and guilt is how the ego maintains its own integrity by making the past like the future ego makes the past like the future by bringing the past into the present and guaranteeing that the future will be like the past contrast with the atonement he says the atonement stands like a beacon the atonement stands like a beacon between the past and the future obliterating the past and making the future like the present the contrast the contrast is incredible when he starts talking about everything that's been born as a continuation 
and guilt and fear are an interruption in that continuity of the soul. And when I accept atonement for myself, I'm accepting this beacon that stands in the middle, obliterating the past, its belief in sin, guilt, and fear that held it together, guaranteeing a future like the past. Atonement is a beacon undoing the past in the present and liberating the future to be like now. That's how atonement is a pure act of sharing because God is sharing his holiness with us. That's how we were created in pure and utter innocence and holiness. Nothing the ego ever thought could change that. And when I recognize that innocence is shared, accept atonement for myself, he says, I stand in the circle of atonement, calling all tortured minds to join with me. If I throw someone out, I will join him there. But if I bring in and recognize we're all part of this great circle of atonement, my belief in, the, in sin and guilt are gone. I'm standing in the Christ mind. And the future will be like the present, eternally peaceful, loving. And this beingness is shared by every living thing. Later on he says, well, no, we already read that. The ego will not prevail against the kingdom because it's perfectly protected and perfectly united in this circle of atonement. And when I learn to listen to just one voice, I'll learn to see in one way recognizing every loving thought belongs to every part. And with that remedy, that remedy, I can't do that for myself. The past will just be gone in its ability to influence my present. And the present will be like, I'll tell you, I, I felt the shift when all of a sudden it felt like Every tomorrow is exactly like every yesterday. Um, that holiness is always going before us, making straight the path and sure the way. Um, when I learned to listen to one voice. Anyway, I just really love the way he, he blends time and eternity and ego continuity held together by the belief in sin, guilt, and fear and atonement like a beacon obliterating the past and making the future like the present. It's, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous way he set this up in these few paragraphs. I'm complete. Thank you so much for that. I am just really um, privileged. I feel like so blessed to be a part of a group of people where many of you are therapists so uh, that you are following this guide and the Holy Spirit and being able to speak to that is very uh, exhilarating and just uh, wonderful so thank you so much Well, atonement makes us all therapists. <laughs> Thanks, Robin Marie. Lori, that was Thank really you, Lori. Thank you so much for all that you said. Um, 
I kind of want to back you up to one question. Um, to undo the guilt that we hold in ourselves, the way to undo that, obviously, with the Holy Spirit, is to see, change the way we see, see things differently, and see the innocence in our brother. So denying their ego identity, upholding their Christ self, is not the way to only help them, but it's the way to undo our own guilt and suffering. Yes. Is that right? Okay. That is Thank absolutely you. correct. Yep. And and to that end, I would say there is no that when we do that, there's no separation between us. There's no therapy. That is correct. Guilt. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Beautiful. Patricia here this morning. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. I just wanted to say, uh, chapter 3, paragraph 19, no one can fail who commends his spirit into the hands of the Father. Um, It's that total an experience um, to me. I just, he says, the atonement is an act of sharing. If I give holiness my mind, my my mind will be transformed by holiness. Um, this is a journey of transformation, transcendence of letting go of my errors through atonement. And when I give my mind to holiness, I, I give it up. I just give it up and um, entertain no thoughts I would hold to myself. Um, Give my mind, he said. Just give your mind to the Holy Spirit. That's all. I'm complete. So, Patricia here, honey. I appreciate every word spoken because I'm looking out that same window with this um, um, uh 24 at least foot avocado tree that got snowed upon yesterday morning during our call. And the word obliterate or undo, this avocado tree is shouting at me. Will you please tell them there's no such thing as obliterate or undo? Will you tell them that there is an eternal self like me, which is that avocado tree talking to Patricia right now, I confess. So I'm going to be, you know, take a risk. Believe me, that we can only ripen the past is never going to be undone because it is only there to ripen now. We can never obliterate. Please remove this from your heart. This avocado tree is telling Patricia she's shining with like two-inch like chartreuse avocados. They're ripening right now. 
And there are leaves that, that as the freeze came, the leaves wilted almost like umbrellas over the fruiting bodies. But guess what I just saw? Oh, maybe to Lori someday I'll send you a photo because the world sometimes needs evidence. But I can only tell you it's my witness that there are white blooming flowers for next year avocados above. Looking out, well, the heat is coming from the ground. An avocado tree is saying, please, please, trust. Everything ripens you. Everything ripens you. That's what I am telling you in the living moment. I'm surprised by this. Watch it happen out my window. I'm so blessed be able to humbly submit reality. Be something beyond belief. Thank you. That's beautiful, Patricia. Thanks, Patricia. Lord. Oh. All right. I have a qu- another question. Um, if you have people who are in your life and they're not well, let's, let's put it that way. I don't know how to put it and put it in the correct way. They're not um, expressing their divine self. Uh it seems cut like they're cognitively impaired. The ego mind is really doing, doing a number on them. And yes, I believe with all my heart, I believe that they are the Christ and they are the one self and they are united with my creator, with me. And they are holy child of God. But on the physical worldly plane, things are, you know, it's hard to talk to them. Can you tell me how to reconcile that? I mean, you have to interact with them. I'm specifically talking about my daughter's um, husband who she's getting divorced from. I mean, you have to interact with someone who's not there. Can you mm-hmm. can you say something about that? I'm complete. Oh, yeah. I, I would... Um, my goddaughter is like that. But does that change... Oh, how much I love her. No. Um, and, and the restoration comes to me like this, that every soul, every soul made a decision to manifest in this realm in order to perfect itself. And those choices were made beyond anything I can understand. And the path of that soul is one that is holy because of that decision in conjunction with the Father. And if I think I have an idea that could perfect that, I am sadly mistaken. All I can do is honor that soul's path. And that restores me to the knowledge that oh, my goddaughter is one with me. 
because I'm doing exactly the same thing. Um, trying to become more conscious and aware of my soul's being on this path. And, um, and that's something I can honor in everyone because those choices were made long before we ever manifested here. Uh, and it reconciles it for me. I'm complete. You called Thank Patricia you. forward quickly, honey, to really tell you something that um, uh, is immediate in my life with my son and uh, a call of uh, his, uh, a possible suicide, many things. So I can say I have a son with the same uh, situation. And I, to be most honest, am now aware whatever painful thing I go through personally, the only thing I can do to honor that I'm alive here to be near him if he is near me, to call or be in front of me, I can only listen and then say, no matter how outrageous my own internal brain is creating stories, I can only say, trust yourself. We're not here to take away their journey, honey. I'm confessing right now for the strength and the call of every mother, of every father, of every one called to hold the center to just simply say to the other, trust yourself. I'm here for you. I can't be there to solve the bankruptcy or or this, even the suicide. I was called at one moment, you guys, maybe in an after call, when time is meant to be a real suicide, when everybody was saying, Patricia, you're the only one who can save your son. Go into that emergency room and say the right thing. But it wasn't the thing that anyone would ever expect because the thing that was the only thing that could come out of my mouth, you guys, when he may have only had moments to go on, was, Robbie, trust yourself. You are eternal on any side you choose to be, no matter what you choose to do. I'm the mother to sit here to love you beyond everything and say out loud, trust yourself. Well, that hospital picked me out quickly. But right now I can tell you I'm doing it again every day in small ways. And it isn't easy. But everyone, I can't 
take away their own awakening. It's an internal story. And I want them to live it out all the way and know that I was somebody to say, maybe it was hard for me to watch that happen, but it was most precious to love all of us and love you no matter what. I got to say this to you all, and I, it strengthens me to go on today. Thank you. Oh, it was a beautiful example of Christ-controlled miracle. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. So this is Donna, and I, I want to say, Lori, you spoke such simplicity from every, le- from every level of growth that we do go through. And I had in my mind a question similar to uh, has been commented and asked. And it had answered and I got my clarity. And I want to say about the music in the background sometimes when you speak that your dog gives me such great joy and it's like music. It's like he's an angel heralding uh, the light into the world. And and I also would like to, um, you brought forth the clarity and the question asked made that sim- more simply and, and more clear. And I don't, I don't, I think, I don't know if it's Karen or Robin Marie, forgive me. We're all one, so I kind of hold that thought. So, because I was, when we, do come upon individuals who seem to be in very serious human situations. What I am, what I am seeing Jesus is teaching me is to remind myself that they are Christ. They are already perfect. There isn't anything wrong with them. And my looking out and perceiving something wrong, I'm adding to the belief of the system Uh, that we're walking away from. If you can believe in something, even if you can believe and make a miracle happen, your belief also carries the flip side of unbelief. But when you know, and we, and you made it so clear to me now, because I'm, I'm um, now clearly I'm seeing something that was, I was uh, working through the, having a few chips let's put it like this, clipped off my masterpiece uh, portrait that I'm seeing my painting that I'm seeing myself as. That that's all, what you said to me was, what, that's all we have to do is know that we are perfect. And no matter what someone else appears to us to be, that's the error we're walking out of. And when we, uh, when we, believe in their situation, we're agreeing with something that isn't real. So it, it, it doesn't even, that's one of the nice things that Dr. Wright teaches, pity, empathy, and sympathy are the worst things in the world you can give to another soul because you're increasing it in yourself. And uh, I'm trying to... Um, 
And so I'm trying to live Christ, be Christ, because I am Christ. And Jesus is kind of hammering that home in my head. And then we lose something that we never had anyway. And it is that persona, that persona, that person. I was sitting here thinking to me about my name because Jesus tells us we don't have our name. I was thinking of the scripture that says he'll give you a new name. But then he says uh, in one of these teachings that you don't have to change your name. But I've noticed that I've gone from Donna a big D to writing Donna a little D. So it came to me today, the big D was the ego. The ego had to have its name written with a big letter. And now, and when Jesus, I speak with Jesus and he calls me by name, I, the, the little D is what I write because when he t- speaks to me, he'll, he'll tell me, Donna, all is well. Well, I write that down. <laughs> and uh, he, I think he's using a little D because that's how I started using it. But it's so important to know. We don't have to believe or disbelieve. And that's hard to do. I, I want to run out and be a healer. I want to run out and think, of, this is, think on a person that's already perfect. Look at the problem, and then I want to be the healer. I want to see that problem gone. I don't have to see it gone. I only have to know what you said so clearly. Everyone comes back here to do something. They've come back to to be a buffer up against someone to help someone else grow, or they've come back because they do need to apparently uh, come back and visit this and find out what it is they thought they missed until they get here. Nothing. Or they come back as lights, like, like Jesus is with us. So I don't know if that helps anybody else, but it, it's so important not to see the problem, but to know the solution's already there and that we are Christ. So everyone is, is working out their own salvation, as, as you said it one way, and I think, uh, well, anyway, Patricia said it another way. That's, that's all we're doing, and by being loving and, and actually learning as loving, it's just being loving, and, and just have nothing but an essence of goodness with the individual that you're thinking about in your own consciousness. And remind yourself when you see their problem, no, they're Christ, just like I'm Christ. I'm going through my issue of coming to the light and being who I really am, and I've chosen to do that. And they've made that choice too. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming into our path in some form. And they're being brought right here to all of this, these individuals here because we're of one. We are the son of God. So I'm saying this more for my benefit to keep this clear in my head, but Lori, what a gift and I received this from you today. Amen, and I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. While you were speaking, it occurred to me that the greatest gift I can give anyone is freedom. It's just that simple. 
and when I give freedom, freedom's returned to me. Um, so thank you. Oh, honey, when you said that, it was so powerful. This is Patricia. I have to just sort of, I'm out of control, you know, sometimes coming back to this eternal part of us where uh, these moments, and I'm in them again right now, it's that uh, when I say trust yourself, when uh, uh, my children are presenting problems that are even life-threatening and I'm removing myself from being um, a provider of a solution. I'm just being the one to say, trust yourself. I, you just let me know that that there was also that um, that voice of you have that in you. You already are the perfect one, and that. Um, to be able to just sit there in the midst of devastating issues that need addressing and know, and maybe again I submit, um, it could be just my age, but some part of the Course tells me it's what I've always been. I'm simply myself and the one to say, trust yourself, and you are already the perfect one. You know that it's already in you. And I don't need to to be that one sitting in that story to change it, but just the one to say, believe in yourself. Laura, you bring that out so powerfully. Thank you. That was beautiful, Patricia. Thank you. This is Sandra. And I just want to thank you, Patricia, because everything you're saying is, for me, so spot on. You know, that to trust that everything is ripening me and ripening others as well. And that I'm not here to judge anybody else's path or process, but not to trust them and to trust myself and who I am that who I am is, is, is a child of God. God is my source. And I don't have to figure it out. I have to have complete trust and reliance on that relationship with my source. Complete, absolute. Because the world to me right now is just getting more and more and more insane. And it's pushing me, it's driving me to not trust anything but my relationship with my creator and, and be completely reliant on that. So I, I, I'm just loving this conversation and I, I appreciate 
you, Patricia, and everybody on here. I'm complete. Why, me too, Sandra. Thank you. Is this open share time? 
um, what do you it think, Lemoyne? It is and has been, but we're close to the end of the recorded, normal recording time. Thank you for clarifying. It's really close to the top of the hour, but I wanted to thank Lori for her wonderful opening. Um, the idea of the knife for the sword being uh, a weapon against ourselves, the weapon of judgment against ourselves, which is so clearly and so often repeated in the text. Um, that this is a dream of judgment and that we can't judge perfection. And our way to knowing it is is through listening to the one voice of God that we share all together as one in Christ's vision through the Christ-minded consciousness that we share together as one. Um, We learn of what our perfection means, the meaning and the awareness. Oops. Um, that's all. Thanks, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Judy. Lemoyne, if you think it's time to end the recording, I do have a closing that I thought was really great. Well, I'll take your word for it. See, that's great. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking... Hmm, I was thinking to quote... <laughs> A little bit of a course of love, but I think. Oh, um, good, good. But I, I've kind of got told now you have to share the whole thing, and and uh, I, I think this is the this is a lesson. <laughs> this has been a lesson for me in the simplicity of salvation. Right, that. Uh, 
you know, this folk, little bit of focus here on guilt <clears throat> as, as, as a sign that, you know, that this thing of healthy guilt feeling is helpful because it puts it in terms of feeling, which encourages us to <laughs> want to make the change. But uh, that's, you know, the willingness there is only a part of the healing, that the healing is the acceptance, again, just to put it in the repeated form, the acceptance of the atonement. And I keep, you know, so the way the, the way we've built the world through our <coughs> shared effort, excuse me, <coughs> through our shared effort, it, it seems to call for more effort to fix it. But it is the acceptance of the atonement. And this line, the atonement cannot be understood except as a pure act of sharing. which essentially becomes rejoining the world as it's created. Uh, joining the atonement is what is what he has repeatedly asked us to do. <coughs> and Again, to focus on the simplicity, it's not an undoing by doing, but the undoing by letting go of uh, the line here I'm trying to find. (sighs) What the ego makes, it keeps to itself. And so the effort has been to has been individual and personal, and it just reinforces the separation. So <clears throat> the reading from Course of Love is a chapter. It's called Forgiveness in the original edition, but in the second edition. Mari was directed to call it forgiveness slash joining. And the first sentence, joining, rests on forgiveness. This you have heard before without understanding what it is you would forgive. You must forgive reality for being what it is. Reality, the truly real, is relationship. You must forgive God for creating a world in which you cannot be alone. You must forgive God for creating a shared reality before you can understand it is the only one you would want to have. You have to forgive this reality for being different than you have always imagined it to be. You have to forgive yourself for not being unable 
You have to forgive yourself for not being able to make it on your own because you have realized the impossibility of doing so. You have to forgive yourself for being what you are, a being who exists only in relationship. You have to forgive all others for being as you are. They too cannot be separate, no matter how hard they try. Forgive them, forgive yourself, forgive God. Then you will be ready to begin learning just how different it really is to live in the reality of relationship. Perfect. Your mind is not contained within your body, but is one with God and shared equally with all alike. This is reality. The heart that is the center of your being is the center of everything that exists. This is reality. None of these things make you less than what you have perceived yourself to be, but they do make it impossible for you to be separate. Why not forgive the world for being other than what you have thought it to be and begin to learn what it really is? This is what the world is here for. And when you have learned what it would teach you, you will have need of it no more and you will gently let it go and find heaven in its place. This is all the words and symbols and forms and structures of your world have come to teach you stated as simply and directly as is possible. You are neither separate nor alone and never were and never can be. Only when you quit wishing for what cannot be can you begin to see what is. beginning of chapter 6 in the course of love I skipped a couple mm-hmm. sentences anyway thank you for listening thank you boy that says it all and the echo of that sentiment I just found in the two emotions in chapter 12 so there's no need to repeat it thank you Thanks, Lynn That was excellent reference. You keep saying there's no... You said there's no need to repeat it, Lori. It's like, well, why, am I, why do I keep repeating it? <laughs> I get it. There's no need to repeat it. And we accept it. That's what it is. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Okay. And so do you have another closing you would like to offer, Lori? Oh, it's... Just an echo, my dear. Just an echo. Okay. Uh, and I'm I'm always um I tell you what, it just it just makes my heart glow when someone has a thought and expresses it so beautifully. And it turns out I was having the same thought. And I think that's the purpose of this whole endeavor that we do every morning. And um 
And I just can't even add to anything you said. So, thank you very much. And thank you. You, you said you have but two emotions. One you made and one was given you. Each is a way of seeing and different worlds arise from their different visions. See through the vision that is given you. For through Christ's vision, he beholds himself and seeing what he is, he knows his Father. The Holy Spirit is the light in which Christ stands revealed. And all who would behold him can see him, for they have asked for light. Nor will they see him alone, for he is no more alone than they are. Because they saw the Son, they have risen in him to the Father, and all this they will understand, because they looked within and saw beyond the darkness the Christ in them and recognized him. In the sanity of his vision, they looked upon themselves with love, seeing themselves as the Holy Spirit sees them. And with this vision of the truth in them came all the beauty of the world to shine upon them. And their perception is no more. <laughs> Amen. Two emotions. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here, everyone. Everyone here now and anybody who listens to the whole call to this point. Turn off the recording, and we'll continue with the app.